Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished listeners from around the world, guests of the Line Hotel in D.C., and random passers-by who are watching, thank you for joining me, Paul Warchin, for episode five of Politics. I want to echo the sentiment of our president and remind you all that in these five episodes, we've accomplished more than any other podcast in history. (laughs) Well, that went as I had expected, and that's okay. So you don't need the UN, you need politics. All right, another week and another crazy set of events in the world. But some things remain constant. There's me, your host, Paul Wharton, <laughs> and my incredible co-host, Stacey Rush. Hey, Paul. Hey, girl. Another constant is Jack Inslee and the team at the Line Hotel DC. Love, love, love this place. That's right. We are live every Thursday at 2 at fullserviceradio.org. And, you know, when the world's gone nuts, there's nothing to keep you stable like a good latte and a fresh cookie. And meditation and mindfulness. Okay, oh, sure. Or a Patron Gimlet with a little extra lime. <laughs> you know, that's my thing. So to each their own. So today we're going to talk about what it really means to be happy and the length we're willing to go to to make that happen for ourselves. You know, does that always involve love, marriage, and children? Yes, Yes. Okay, for you. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, speak for yourself. Exactly. I am interested in your take on that, Stacey. Okay. But first, Christine Blasey Ford is testifying as we speak on the Kavanaugh investigations. And I watched right up until I headed here to the studio today. I think you caught a little bit of that as well, right? I did. I did. It was... Wow. So powerful, yeah, wasn't powerful. it, to watch mm-hmm. that? Well, first off, to me, you know, Stacey, she came across extremely credible, Extremely credible. Everything she was saying. Yeah. For one thing, you know, you look at people's intentions and you you try to figure out if, if they weren't telling the truth, what would be the reason why? And I found everything she said to be spot on. I thought she was extremely I mean, her resume, her education <laughs> is, is second to none. Yeah. She's a clinical psycho- psych- psychologist. Excuse me. Um, she's published. Mm-hmm. Very well respected. Um, Several master's degree, a PhD. Absolutely. And, you know, a family woman, a wife, a mother of two boys. uh, Why would this person, why would anybody think that this person had a reason to lie about such a serious charge? And she also uh, passed the lie detector test Mm -hmm. that was given to her by the FBI. Well, not by the FBI. It was it was a um, a private person, you know, a private oh, okay. uh, person gave that to her. Um, they had actually offered that person, what do they call it, a statistician? What okay, that, what yeah, mm-hmm. to come in and testify in front of um, the committee today, and they declined. So that's what happened with that. But you know, when she first got there, she said, "You know, I'm not here because I want to be here. I am absolutely terrified. I feel that it is my civic duty." Yeah, and that, it was just, everything she said, it just, it, it, it resonated with me because you could just see and hear the emotion in, in, in her face, in her facial expressions, in the way that she was speaking. What really got me was when she said, um, you know, 
she had this indelible memory mm-hmm. of them laughing yes. at her yes. and laughing at her expense. And I thought it was interesting how she said they were laughing with each other, yeah. like two friends that were really enjoying themselves. That's major. Yeah, that is major. And it, it just it touched me and I ju- it just it blew me away. And I felt for her. I, I so felt for her in that moment. And another thing that she said um, when they were saying, well, you know, they were questioning her and they said, well, how do you remember this? Are you sure that you remember this? How, how can you be certain? And she said, well, I can remember it as, as well as I'm remembering this moment with you right now. And she also said, you know, because she is a clinical psychologist, she explained that the brain has chemical reactions and and different hormones. Didn't she? she? And she said that when when traumatic things happen to you, your brain reacts in a way that makes you remember that event. I mean, I just, there is not a doubt in my mind that this woman is telling yeah. the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm crystal clear on that. So something that was truly unprecedented, the GOP brought in a veteran prosecutor. Her name is Rachel Mitchell. They brought her in to ask questions on their behalf. And I found her trying to undermine Professor uh, Dr. Ford's credibility, um, asking her about her intentions and why she didn't reach out to a Republican when trying to get her message out. And course she said you know there's not she doesn't live in a republican jurisdiction like mm-hmm. you know her rep is as a democrat yeah um she focused a lot on her fear of flying and then asked her you know well, well how did you get here today and she says of course by plane well how did you get on the plane and and i i know that you worked um in australia she said no i actually didn't i've never been to australia but i worked for a company that um, was based in Australia, but I've never been to Australia. But basically, just trying to undermine um, Dr. Ford's credibility. And rattle her. Didn't Mm -hmm. you get that feeling as well? Yeah. And I thought at some point she was going in her questioning, maybe she was going to try to paint her as some kind of democratic activist. But in my opinion, from what I watched the first two and a half hours, um, she was falling short. And I think um, when I left to, to head here to the Lion Hotel... Uh, they broke for lunch, and I know those Republicans are probably sweating. <laughs> they sweating their They're ass in the off. bathroom. Oh petting. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah. It's. I'll be interested to see the developments um, when we are finished hanging out with each other here. Yeah, I know. Um, but it's just it's a really uh, powerful moment in history. It's um, just a, an unbelievable. Uh, it's just an unbelievable thing to watch yeah. for me to watch this happening. And it really is reminiscent of what happened with Anita Hill, like we were discussing on the last episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, sexual assault, when done to really anyone, but in this particular case, young adults, um, can have lasting effects on the victims, as we saw from her testimony today and some of the things that she still experiences, her PTSD from that very traumatic incident. And it's something that you know, you don't easily forget. And, and, and it brought something up in my memory. Okay. You know, that's always been there. It's not too far suppressed, but I wanted to just be transparent and honest about it and, and kind of share that with you today. So, you know, I've talked a lot, um, you know, in, in the press, uh, I did a whole thing about my 20 year high school reunion on, um, Fox five and also did it on the CW. I've talked about it on the Hey Phrase podcast. You know, when I was a kid, it was a struggle a lot of times because I felt very much like a loner mm-hmm. because when I was a young kid, 
Um, I did have a lot of friends. When I was a very young kid, my sister was two years and two days older than me, and she was always the popular one. Okay. And then, you know, kids hit a certain age where it's not popular to hang out with your little, your nagging little brother. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I used to be like, I'm telling mama if you don't take me. You know, but they really just did not want to hang out with me um, because that's just how kids are. But anyway, so I got to a point where you get to a stage, maybe eight, nine, ten years old, and the kids start to notice a little difference in you. Maybe you don't want to go out and throw the football. I remember I joined like a soccer league and lasted like two games. Somebody kicked me in the shin and my mom pulled me out, you know, and I just didn't I wasn't really into it. But I started to feel more and more like a loner. The kids would call me sissy and fag. And so uh, a good day for me was avoiding the harassment. Okay. okay. And that must have been really, really tough. It was I just, tough. Even as you're saying it yeah. to me, it's just awful. Yeah, it was tough. It is so interesting. Um, I'll even go one step further than that and come back to this because as I'm 40 years old now and exploring my friendships, yeah. my relationships, I've noticed that certain friends of mine in different ways have taken advantage of me and I've allowed it. And now it's coming to the point where I'm starting to separate from all these people that I've been friends with for a long time. And I'm going to tell you why I think that is. Because when I was a kid and, and I didn't have friends, mm-hmm. um, when I became a little older and I moved to New York when I was 19 years old and I started to make friends and then I was a little bit popular and then I got on MTV and then I was a lot of bit popular. And, <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> and, you know, and then that turned into me making people over on the Ricky Lake show and that turned into the VH1 show and the TV land show. And before I knew it, I was like the center of a big friend group. And when I finally got friends, I was so happy to have friends that I was like the best friend ever, <laughs> you know? You would do anything to anything keep them. Anything and everything because I was so happy to have me some friends. I didn't know what to do. But I do know that the reason why I was so happy to have those friends because I didn't have them when, when, you I was younger. A, when I was younger. And so I think that, you know, little things, it starts in little ways and people no, that didn't feel good. And I wouldn't do that to them. That feels weird. So I'm just starting now with this stage in my life. And it's been going on for the last five years where I'm like, mm, I don't think that feels right. I don't think that that person's intentions are the best. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with letting go of, of people in my life that I don't feel are there for the right reasons. Right. You know? Or not valuing your friendship in the way not valuing the friendship in the way that you value the friendship. Absolutely. Absolutely. That can be as detrimental as not having any friends at all. Yeah. So back to me being 13 years old, I found this modeling agency called New Model. And New Model was led by a woman named Cynthia Wilson, who still to this day is a great friend of mine. Her husband owns uh, the Fitness Equation Club out in Sterling. Okay. The Fitness Authority. Okay. You know yes, that? Yeah. No, Fitness Equation. So, yeah. Anyway, so... I went over to this modeling agency. Cynthia and I hit it off, and I started teaching other kids how to model. What? In these weekend workshops. Wow. And teaching other kids how to model, and then I would go, and some days I would assist Cynthia, and I would sit there and kind of be her little assistant. So that modeling school and that modeling workshop was truly and probably literally a lifesaver for me. Because I remember being that 13-year-old kid that did consider suicide. That's how lonely I was. And I used to keep a calendar, and I used to mark off the days um, whenever I 
didn't cry, I didn't put an X there whenever I didn't cry. So whenever oh, I cried, I would put an X and it was, you know, back in those days, you had those big calendars. Yeah. This one, of course, I didn't want to be public. So I hid it under my bed, but I would pull the calendar out and I would, I would mark in, in, I remember one month just looking at it and it was like every day. Oh my God. So I go to this workshop and all of a sudden I'm a model. All of a sudden, I'm meeting these other people that are into fashion and beauty and and walking and talking. And they they valued my opinion. And Cynthia treated me like um, someone that she respected, even though this is a grown woman and I'm 13 years old. So it gave me it gave me a sense of purpose. Yeah. And it made me feel like I belonged to something. Well, that was they were located in Crystal City and we lived out in Maryland. I used to take the metro at 13 to get there. So one day I was on my way home from Crystal City and I remember I transferred. It was either Gallery Place or Metro Center or something. So I I go to transfer and I'm waiting on the platform. And, you know, of course, I would fix myself up that day and I would dress as well as I could do my hair and all that. And I noticed this older man um, standing on the platform and he was just eyeing me. So I said, God, that's (laughs) that feels weird. Like it did not feel good. It just felt like, oof, that doesn't feel right. Creepy. Extremely. So he comes over and he says, um, excuse me. Oh, and I had a model portfolio in my hand. Like, okay. you know, the big model portfolios. The big black book. Yeah, the big black book. So he says, excuse me, are you a model? And I said, uh, oh, yes, I am. And I swear, this is how I know kids need to be told that they are important, that they're special, that they're smart, that they matter. Not that... I didn't hear it from my parents. I did, you know, to a certain extent, but you can never tell a kid too much that they're great and they're kind and they're important and you love them because him just saying, excuse me, are you a model? It was like I was a sponge sucking up that I needed that validation, attention. Mm -hmm. Wow. Somebody else sees it. Not just my people at new model. I'm a model. Somebody sees me. Somebody sees me. I'm important. But to see if I heard that all the time, it wouldn't have been like, yeah, you would have been like, "Mm -hmm, I Mm -hmm. I am stranger, danger, stranger, (laughs) danger. You know, I didn't get into that, but I was like, yeah, I am. And he proceeds to talk to me and he, I mean, we, he went right into full grown grooming, just, just like, oh, wow, I can tell. And what have you done? And I'm like saying some things I had done and making stuff up. I just loved the, that moment of attention. And of course I thought that that was the extent and as far as it would go. And did you let your guard down? I don't know that I had much guard then, Okay. you know, I mean, my guard was, was directed toward other kids that were mean to me. Okay. I didn't really know to be that guarded Two adults. I mean, I wasn't expecting that. 13 years old. So I get on the metro. He says, oh, this is the train I'm taking. So, and we were going to the stop way out in Maryland, and it was like the last stop. And, and so at a certain point, we were the only two on the train. He was sitting a seat in front of me. And then he says, oh, I'm going to sit next to you. And I said, uh, okay. And I started to feel, okay, something's going on here. He sat next to me. He like pressed, he, as he was talking, kind of pressed me against the wall. All of a sudden, he takes his right hand out and he sticks it down the back of my pants. Like, what? Super aggressively. Super aggressively. So he's, and I'm like, no, no. And I'm like saying, no, no. And he's just going for it completely. Like, sticks his hand down my pants, tries to stick his finger in my butt. Like, the whole bit. Like, full on. Full on aggressive. Yeah. So, 
all that's going on. And, and you were the only two on the train, the so no one heard you saying, no, train, no, no. But I'm, I'm going to tell you that the that the the no's were like a cry and a a, a distress, a, a, just, just sending out just a distress call more than me having what I would do now where I would jump up and I would knock Cause somebody out. And I would bang on the window right. and I would run for the conductor and I would try to yeah, kill but somebody. You're a you were a child. At the time then, that was like th full on. So in watching this and hearing some people, oh, that was a long time ago. Oh, boys will be boys. And of course, this was a pedophile situation. Clearly. So this was, I mean, but I don't know that it makes it any different. Like to me, I think that that incident, it stuck with me for a long time. And, and I really have to probably go back and get some therapy about this or something because I think I told my parents, but I believe, but I believe that at the time they weren't ready to receive that, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. because they probably as parents, they probably are like, oh, our kid's probably gay. Oh, what are we going to do about that? Maybe he'll change his mind. Maybe. Right. And then to say something like that, I think I remember telling my dad and then to say something like that, you know, it's just like he just, mm, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. They didn't know what to do. You know, you got a black man from Cleveland that grew up in a different kind of way. You know, yeah. of course, my dad has a gay brother. So, I mean, I'm sure he was, he had issues with him um, about all that. But, but you know, you, you do tell people around you and, and if they don't really receive it and you just kind of bury it. Yeah. But imagine I recognize that man from the Metro and he was being nominated as the next Supreme Court Justice. What do I do with that? Knowing that I was that 13-year-old on the subway being pressed against the wall with him trying to stick his finger in my, in my behind. Mm -hmm. um, and here this man is standing up there saying, I am an upright person. I am a father. I am a husband. I don't know what this person's talking about. You know, I mean, I, I can... It, wow. It stands to reason I would have some reservations about coming forward. And so in watching her today, I think a lot of people have some kind of experience, just some experience, and we're all different, that makes us realize that it took a lot of courage and a lot of strength for this woman to tell her story. And uh, I'm just, I stand with her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just hearing you tell me this story, I'm like, physically, my shoulders are up to my ears and I'm, I'm feeling for you. And I'm, I, I applaud you for being open enough to, to say this out loud and to tell your story. And, um, that makes me think about how much courage and how much vulnerability you would have to have and put on display for the world to come out and share your story you know, on this level, yeah. hearing you tell me this and putting it into, you know, perspective um, in regards to what's happening right now, it's just, it makes you really understand that this woman is telling the truth and what she is sacrificing and what she is putting on the table in order to tell the truth. So it's, suppose, suppose the man who did that violated me in that way. Suppose that was a 15 year old as I was 13. Would that make a difference this many years later, 25 years later? Yeah, because it speaks to, about character. No, but what I'm saying is, you know, there are a lot of people that can't help but believe that this woman is telling the truth. Go, Oh, they were kids. 
This happened in high school. This was 36 years ago. Oh, you're saying if the man that abused you, if he was a, a, a kid. If he was another, oh, you know, teenager. You. Okay. And, and this many years had passed and maybe he, you know, has experienced some success and now he's up for this, this nomination. Um, would, it, would it matter? Should, should he be able to, um, to move forward? I think at 13, 14, 15 years old, um, you are not, you don't have um, the maturity of an adult. Okay, mm -hmm. that's a given. Um, but for all of these 15-year-olds that are, you know, being boys and boys being boys and roughhousing, and it wasn't that serious, and that's just how they are, um, there are millions of boys who are respectful, who honor uh, women and girls and would never do something like that and mm -hmm. don't have that in them at that age to behave in that way. So I think something that you do at 15 years old, um, especially of that magnitude, attacking someone sexually, putting your hand on someone's mouth so that they can't cry for help, mm -hmm. um, that is a reflection of character even at that age. And I think it does matter. Absolutely. Yeah. It really does. So, and I think you should be accountable for that. You should be accountable. And the last part of that is if he were accountable, let's just say that he did do this, okay? Um, if he were, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, accountable for it and apologetic, what do you think then? Well, I think that that would make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I'm not saying... Yeah. Um, it would make a difference. It would I think. make a difference. It would. It even would make. For her. Yeah, even for her. Mm -hmm. Even for her. To for him to say, "I did this. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry for your pain. I I am going to acknowledge this." And I think it would make a difference. I'm not saying that um, this it should go away. Sure. Uh, but I think that it would make a difference, and it would definitely make a difference. I think in the eyes of um, many people who have been assaulted or abused, um, I think that there is a level of wanting your abuser, you want them to acknowledge the pain that they gave you. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you agree? You want them Absolutely. to acknowledge that, yes, I did this. Yes, I understand how ho horrible and how life-changing this was for you. So I think that that would make a, a big difference in, a, in millions of people who have unfortunately had that experience. You know, this started off being a job interview for Brett Kavanaugh. And as I was listening to Dr. Ford speak today, I thought to myself, his entire life is at stake. And I thought, how did he allow this to get to this point? And, you know, it just reminds me of that, you know, Kenny, Kenny Rogers song. You got to know when to hold him. Yes. <laughs> know when to hold him. Yeah. Know when to walk away, right? Yes, yes. Know when to run. Yeah. You know, he you got to count your <laughs> blessings. <laughs> because yes. he should have known when to hold them yeah. and when to fold them. And sometimes some things that we do in our lives disqualify us <laughs> from achieving a certain yes. level, you know, the penultimate level of whatever he was going for. Yeah. I'm sure he knows his behavior early in life, hopefully it was just early in life, um, was something he should have been saying that, you know, huh, what is this going to do to my family, to my children, to my existing, to my reputation, to my existing position as a D.C. Circuit judge? 
Yeah. Um, somebody could come forward. You know what? Forget it. I want to go for the power. Yeah. It's I'm like he going did. for it all. And you know, there are two other women who have come forward. Sure. And I don't know if, I don't know where we are with their stories, but one, another woman came forward and said that she, uh, he exposed himself mm-hmm. to her. And another woman came forward and said he was present at a party where she was gang raped. Absolutely. So uh, I, I hate to say it, but I do believe where there's smoke, there's fire. And I, I, I believe this doctor and I, I tend to think that now that more women are coming up and they are saying he was present when this was going around, like clearly there mm-hmm. is some history there and there is some uh, a behavior that he, you know, thought he could get away with and he thought was funny and it was just, you know, he was a kid and that's what they were doing. But yeah. <sighs> well, that's my story, kids. And if you want to share your story, um, either confidentially with us for us to share on the podcast, you can email me at Paul at paulwartonstyle.com. Um, share it with us. I'll share it with Stacy and we'll talk about it also on our social media uh, Facebook, Paul Wharton Jr., I think it is. Um, Instagram, Politics TV, and Paul Wharton Style and Fra Rush. So I'd like to continue that conversation. And, you know, I want to talk about people moving forward in their lives, um, feeling okay to be sexual and to be sexually liberated and sharing that and not being ashamed. So you had a story that <laughs> you brought to my attention. As we know, our girl, Chrissy Teigen, right? Now, is it now? Is that it's the way Tigen. you pronounce, pronounce her name? That's the way it's supposed to be. Okay, so it's spelled T-E-I, right? T-E-I-G-E-N. Yeah, that's a German name. And anytime yeah. you have an E-I, you pronounce it I. Did you Ty. know that? Yeah. Yeah, well, then that's how it should be then. Yeah, but I just th- thought that was so interesting that she's just saying that now she's just saying it <laughs> like she's like oh, correct us years ago it. i don't know so <laughs> um, but anyway she, uh, she finally she, got it right yeah, yeah she story. was on on what happens watch what happens live now mm-hmm. <laughs> and she shared a story um about uh her relationship with her husband john legend she said that they went out on their first date together and they actually sealed the deal on mm-hmm. the first date they had sex on their after their first date. Now, was it a blind date? Did somebody set them up, or did they know each other? You don't no, know no, I don't yeah. think it was a blind date. She okay. didn't say that, but okay. they went out. They had a great time, and they, you know, <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> loved on each other. Yeah, um, you know, they hooked the night. up. They had yeah. sex on the first date. They had sex on the first day. Yeah, and um, you know, I she got a lot of <laughs> uh, a lot of comments you know directed towards her on social media and i've read a lot about um what people are saying on blogs and i don't know i wanted to talk to you about that what are your thoughts about um meeting someone obviously connecting having chemistry and having sex on the first date do you think you know that's okay do you think that's sleazy do you think you know what are your thoughts it sounds freaking blissful let me tell you something (laughs) some of the best days of my life were those nights i could go out i was living in new york city and i'll tell you you know what messed up my uh night uh, first date night sex is getting on tv because I oh used people want to tell well what happened no not <laughs> not just that but I used to go I was living in New York I had the best life I had the coolest jobs and cool friends and I would go out to the different bars G bar and all this and and you know you would go out you get looking good you'd clean up your apartment just in case you know what I mean. <laughs> 
So I would go to this G bar and it would be like a big circular circular bar and I would see a guy across the bar and he'd notice me and I'd notice him and and you know we'd wink and he'd send me a drink or I'd send him a drink and one of us would move to the other one and we'd have a great conversation we'd be laughing and sometimes we'd go to another bar and then eventually it's like you know your place or mine it but was- wait that's not a date that's like a hookup Paul come on a date is hey it was great meeting you do you want to get together and oh so have I'm dinner? sluttier than her yeah you're you're basically <laughs> No, but I would, to a different but no, that's but a hookup. Think, that's different. No, I don't think so. No, a hookup to me is like no intention. A hookup to me right now a days is like when you go through a sex app or something like that and you hook up with somebody and you don't know their last name and you haven't exchanged phone numbers, which oh, okay. that's the stuff well, I, yeah, that's... I just do not do. <laughs> now, this is you meet somebody, you hit it off with them, okay. you have all intention. And I've dated most of those people. It's very rare that I didn't go on a second or third or start dating these people. But you're just saying initially you just acted yeah, on we that, liked each that other. natural chemistry. We hung out and had a great time for the night and we would walk around New York City and we would hit a couple of bars. And before you know it, it's like, it you, know, hey, you know, I got to get up in the morning. <laughs> we got to make this move. <laughs> so I don't think anything is necessarily wrong with that. And if your urge is to have sex on the first date, but you're fearful of how you will be judged Yes. By that other person. If if I want to marry, if it's a woman speaking about a man, God, if I want him to marry me and have sex with him on the first date, he might judge me. Well, he I, might not want to be with me. Yeah, that there is that fear. Mm-hmm. But I think with with women and men, I think as women, we have to sort of move away of thinking about what he will think. Think about what how you feel. You know okay. yourself. If you're the type of woman who... If you get down with somebody, you're going to be calling and texting. Remember me? What's going on? Do you want to be together? Should we get married? Should we have kids? If you're that kind of a high emotional person, then you shouldn't sleep with somebody on the first date if you know you're going to be acting crazy the next day. So what's your experience with all this? I I did not sleep with my husband on our first date. I liked him. He liked me. There was definitely an attraction. And we, we... liked the buildup. Okay. I like the tension. I like the buildup. Has it I always been talk. that way, Stacey? Yes. I'm out here on I- this island all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you aren't getting me in trouble. <laughs> I'm talking about my husband and that's it. <laughs> That's funny. I know when to be quiet, okay? Well, listen, so she's got a lot of female friends. Obviously, it didn't hurt her because they're married. Well, they they got married, right. They have two kids. Right. They're doing just fine. Um, I just think, you know, if if there is an attraction and you can handle it, don't worry about what he thinks, if he's going to think you're slutty or he'll never marry you. I say act on it. You are adults. Go for it. I think that you should be comfortable in your sexuality. And if you want to sleep with somebody, sleep with them. I just think you should know yourself. Yeah. And if you're crazy, don't take them home. <laughs> Wait it out and Wait be sure. Out. That's, that's the only thing I'm saying. Well, the longest term relationship I've ever had was with Michael from Ireland. Um, which and we, how long was that? Well, a long time. <laughs> like, like years? Yeah. Years. Okay. Yeah, it was years. 
Well, because it was awning in and off again. So we started okay. strong. I mean, I was 21 years old. And then, and then it, you know, when he had his accident when I was 38, that's when it was over. So six, over 16 years, of course, he dated other people. I dated other people. But we always came back together. It okay. was one of those long-term, long-distance, on-again, off-again relationships that we always knew, you know, we would come together in the end. And it didn't end up by fate Working out that way. But the first day I met him, of course, back at G-Bar, ground zero of, you know, <laughs> of sluttiness, my slutty New York days. Back at G-Bar, he's walking out of this bar and I see this hot guy walk out. And he's got muscles and, you know, a little mm. tank top. And he's walking out like, oh, just all this going on. And I'm walking in and um, I said, where are you going? And he said, with you. And he grabbed my hand and we went back in the bar and we hung out. And then we went to several other bars and I had my other friends with us. We had so we laughed and laughed and laughed. And then he ended up coming back to my apartment that night and we we rolled around and hey, I think we were we had had too much to drink to really do too much. But we were just kind of enjoyed each other. Okay. he stayed over. And the next day um, we enjoyed each other so much and the laughter was there and I made breakfast and all that. And he was showing me how to make like, you know, the rashers, the, uh, you know, the, the bacon. And then he leaves the bacon grease in there. And then you put the big bread and you soak the bread up. That's the way they do it in Ireland. Oh, I'm, I, don't, I don't know yes, about this dish. Yes, yes, all that. So anyway, so I told him, just go check out of your hotel. Just come on. And he went and checked out of his hotel and he stayed the rest of his visit in America at my apartment in New York. He what? went home, packed his stuff and came back and stayed for six months until one night he got drunk and punched a hole in my closet. But anyway. Oh, <laughs> I said, after you pay for my closet door, you carrying your ass back to Ireland. <laughs> but you're like, maybe y'all are doing that over there, but we don't exactly. do that over here. Uh-uh. Messing up my <laughs> messing up my house. That fool. Uh, so anyway, but but you know, it it lasted a l- very long time. I mean, great friendship, wonderful yeah. relationship, more of a life companion than um than like the hottest lover in my life you know what i mean yeah we were more compatible as individuals that just truly loved each other than we you know than we were trying to really run and be romping around all day long right right it was a different kind of yeah but the fact that the attraction was there to the point that we could you know at least share that intimate you know sleeping together moment yeah on the first night and that lasted for the next 16 years of our lives until, yeah. you know, his, his, you know, unfortunate accident, um, I think says a lot. And tell me again about his accident. Do you mind telling me that? I just, no, I don't mind. I don't know that I haven't shared that with you before. You, we've talked about it, but I, I just, so, you know, for okay. friends that are listening, okay. what exactly happened so with his accident? I was seeing somebody for a very long time. Um, his name is Michael McKay. And he lived in Ireland when I met him, as I just said. And um, we just have had a great love affair. Just, just a wonderful partner, wonderful companion. And he moved back and forth. I was living in New York and he would come over and then I moved to D.C. And then he would come to D.C. Um, and he's from a family of Christian missionaries. So he was always struggling with he was always out, but he was always struggling with, you know, his decision to be out and gay and and, you know, to go against the faith. And the family and the family was struggling with loving and supporting him for who he is and also their faith. OK, so at a certain point, they did accept him for, you know, Michael and his decision. And I was I used to talk to the mom on the phone and the dad and the brothers, um, John and David 
and um, he had another brother and sister-in-law, and he had um, two nephews and niece. Well, anyhow, over the years, he dated a few other guys, and I dated a few others, certainly. I mean, nothing ever was worked out that well for us with other people. And finally, uh, I moved to New York for a relationship in 2013. Child, that was the, that was the worst decision. <laughs> Lord, we need to talk about that on another time. I cried the whole <laughs> oh way. I was driving a U-Haul truck. And oh, Paul. It was almost like knowing you're driving in the wrong direction, but you're driving anyway. Yeah. And you just and you can't turn around, so yeah. you just cry. <laughs> so I was going toward my destination, but I knew I was driving the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. So that relationship was over in 2014, and Michael and I, we talked every day through that relationship. I mean, every day through his other relationships. And finally, in you know, toward the end of that relationship, me and I were kind of like, well, we should just be back together. So we started making this plan that we would get married. And, and you know, I'm from Cleveland and uh, I was born in Cleveland, but I was raised here in D.C. And then I moved to New York for several years. Anyhow, we decided that the best place for Michael and I to build a home together would be in Cleveland. I would have my forever home. You know, Michael's in construction and he's amazing at tiling and construction. And so he could, you know, we'd buy an old big mansion. Really, it was a mansion. Old, big old mansion. And he would fix it up slowly and we would make this beautiful home. How romantic. Exactly. And the reason why you say, well, why Cleveland? Why not here? Because, see, Michael did have this thing where every three months, and I'm telling you, he wasn't really a serious drinker normally. But about every three months, and this is just me being honest with everybody, every three months he would have this moment where he would go out. He would just want to go out and he would completely tear his draws. He would act a fool because he would come in completely wasted. Just totally So it was wasted. like binge drinking, like to the max. What people, the stereotypical, he's Irish and drink, like that would come out every three months. So about and it, why every three months? I don't know. He just cause he just he had knew, to like let loose every three months. He just he cut completely loose, and then I would nurse him back to health for like a couple of days, and then he'd be like, "Honey, I'll never do that again." You know, and like then, he just yeah. and, and then and he wouldn't. That's and interesting. He, and he would be great. And I guess there are some people like that. It's just like there's no such thing as just having one beer, you know, or two beers. Right. I think he could have one from time to time. From time to time, he would have one, but then he would have twenty. You know, I mean, just crazy. Oh. So we found the house, perfect house. I put the offer in. They accepted the offer. Oh, this is going to be fantastic. He put his house on the market in Ireland. Um, the family was struggling with the decision, of course, because, of course, they, he, it's so much fun to have around, and they loved their son and their brother. Right. We decided we were moving forward. Uh, we talked every day about 10 times a day. So June 23rd, June 24th, we talked 10 times a day. June 25th. Um, I called him and he didn't call me back. So I was calling and I was texting and I said, that's weird. What's wrong with him? Maybe. And then I thought, oh, he probably went out, but usually he'll call me back. June 26th, same thing. No return phone call, no text. 27th, 28th, 29th, 30th. Finally, July 1st, his phone's disconnected. Oh my. So what were you thinking? Were you like, well, I would terrified. I would have rather him had changed his mind and left me than me thinking what I knew, which was something terrible happened. And I knew that I, I just my gut told me that because this person loved me too much to disappear. 
Okay. But I wanted to believe and not get validation for that because it was safer for my heart to take a a breakup of some yes. of him leaving me yeah. than something happening to him. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking, I got this big ass house I'm buying. You better come over here with that. <laughs> you better come over here with some of them euros <laughs> from Ireland. That's all I know. Oh. So I was trying to figure that out, and finally, and and I. His whole family was Christian missionaries. I couldn't find anyone on social media. I didn't have anybody's phone number. Finally, in about mid-July, a friend of mine recommended this private investigator that they had. You know, the guy charged me just a little bit of money, and he started looking for a member of his family, and he found his niece on on, uh, Facebook. Okay. He sends me the information. I sent her a message, and she responds right back. And I said, you know, this is your uncle's, you know, close friend, Paul, and I haven't heard from him. And this is mid-July, so... This started like at the end of June. So she said, um, yes, I'm familiar with who you are. I'm going to have my mom call you. Oh, God. And I said, no, you tell me like what is going, you know, what's happened. And she said, he's not well. I'm going to have my mom call you. And I said, okay. So she does. She calls me and um, she says, um, you know, I guess that day maybe it was june 24th he went out and the next day he was supposed to meet with his brother john her husband and john showed up at his house and he was there unconscious he had gone out thrown up choked on his own vomit aspirated so john goes in he tries to clear his throat and he calls for the ambulance to go to come he had you know no oxygen had been to his brain in quite a while and um from that time i didn't get a hold of them until i think around august 5th he had been in a coma until like the third of august so his waking up from his coma wasn't like all right i'm back it right. was like one eye opened that kind of thing oh, so he had a that's very so terrifying he was in the hospital for a year so of course i'm thinking well I say to her, okay, well, I'm coming. Where's the hospital and where should I stay? Like, what's close to that? She says, uh, the sister-in-law says, oh, what do you mean where should you stay? You, of course, you come stay with us. Well, I guess they had a family meeting about it because the next thing I knew is they were messaging me saying, you know, you're forbidden to come. You, if you come, you won't be allowed to see him. We feel as a family that this is a curse. Um, oh. You know, he has been cursed because he's gay and basically, you know, don't well, come. So what are you thinking as they are telling you that? How, uh, how do you even process? I was so sick that I had to go to the hospital. That's how sick I was over it. I was so heartbroken that it put me in the hospital from being just so ill and devastated over it. Just even whether it's as my lover, as my you know, future husband, mostly as my friend you know for all those years we were truly going to be in each other's lives forever so just to bring you up to speed and i'm still going i've been kind of meeting other people i met a friend of his online that has stood up to the family this is a gay um a gay male friend of his that goes to visit him now and what is his his current well he stayed in the hospital for a year and then they moved him to a nursing home and now you know he can't talk he can't walk. He has use of one of his arms. So he basically watches TV and he can feed himself with the one arm. He oh, does. Paul. His eyes do follow movement and they just don't know how much he's getting because they didn't even expect him to live, do it at all. 
And then they didn't expect that. They, they just don't know. The doctors can't even tell them from his brain waves. They don't know if you come into the room, if he can recognize you. I mean, I'm prone to think that he can and he does know, which has made it even more painful. Yeah. The reason why I haven't gone. Um, but now at a certain point, then I had a fear of, of how, how horrible is that flight going to feel? How awful is it going to feel walking into a room of someone that you knew to be so vibrant and lively? Yeah. And, and now, you know, you walk into the room and he's a shell of himself and he can't walk and he, you know, you, his diaper has to be changed. And, oh, and he's so young. You but know. just think, but think about this, Paul, how much you, the love that you had between the two of you. And if he does have just a basic level of awareness, think about how much it would mean to him if you walked through that door. Just I mean, think about well, that. Well, I can't help but think about that. And it certainly hasn't made it easier for me sitting, you know, here going through the motions of my life here without going. And let me tell you, I've had like 10 tickets to go. I really have. I'm constantly making a reservation to go to Ireland. And so I think the next phase of my life, and it's so interesting because I, I did get an offer from my publisher for a second book and it's like well what's the book really? gonna be yeah that's awesome thank you congratulations thank you, so you are just moving girl moving and grooving <laughs> and and you know so i think that i, I was on sarah's uh, podcast yesterday the hey phrase podcast she says you know you should write um the black male version of eat pray love and i said really huh what and i thought about uh, you know just her saying that and different things and yeah. talking to you here today and maybe a part of that next story is to go there to Ireland because I do feel that a part of my like life in moving forward in yes. a relationship is blocked. Yes. You know, there's certainly a block on me having a successful relationship. You know, I met somebody in, in uh, Italy and that whole thing. And, right. and, you know, I'm kind of like skeptical of that. I, I'm not really sure if that's really the one. And of course, I compare a lot of people to Michael because we had so much damn fun. Oh. I mean, just the laughter, the laughter is what I miss most. But I definitely feel like I will be going. Okay. You know, at a certain point, you have to put your fears aside. Yes. You know, fear of how I'll feel seeing him that way. Fear of the family telling me to get the F out. You know, like all of those. Yeah, it's so complicated, mm -hmm. the whole situation. But I think that's um, really intuitive of you to think about how it is affecting your relationships now because you have this unresolved issue with the love of your life yeah. and the issue is how how do you continue to love but be far away come to grips with his situation like it's just it's so complicated i don't i don't even know that you will be able to resolve it but i think facing it mm -hmm. will help you move forward that's what i truly believe that i agree and listen listeners have y'all ever had to face something that you were truly fearful of um like dr ford faced today like we shared some of our experiences yes you know from my childhood and more recently with michael i hope that that me sharing that um you know helps you kind of get in tune with some things that maybe you've been holding on to that have been blocking you because you know if you look on instagram and all that and you know i have a pretty kind of glitzy life sometimes and i go to a lot of events and i'm always exploring these things and traveling and and wearing fancy clothes and getting a good blowout but you know 
there's a lot going on in there. You know, there's other yeah. stuff. You know, we deal with things. And how do you put that in an Instagram post? And right. So, sometimes right. people are like, you only show the good stuff. No, it's just the other stuff is so damn deep. I don't think you can handle it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I, um, but I, I think, again, I applaud you that you are able to articulate such personal stories and to share that with people. I mean, that is so big of you. And so I just, I think it's really beautiful that you can open yourself up enough to do that. And that's really wonderful because well, I think, you. I think people do have sort of a, a preconceived idea about you and your mm-hmm. life. And, um, it's just, it's, it just, that's why I love you because you are multifaceted. You aren't just Paul Wharton lights yeah. camera action. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more to all this fabulousness. <laughs> You know, and sometimes you got to take a step back. You really do. Like, I've been having a serious moment with myself. Um, as I said in the beginning of the show, just talking about uh, happiness and what that means mm-hmm. to us and the lengths that we're willing to go to get it. Yeah. Um, for me, and just in, in thinking about where my life is going and, and all of that, you know, it's basically it's made me think a lot about where I am in life, you know, being here in Washington, D.C. D.C. has been so good to me. And I love this town. I know this town. You know, I have relationships here um, with friends, with colleagues, with other businesses. Um, it's a great life. But kind of just like I am about my career. When, well, what are what do you do? What are you? Well, shit, I'm a lot of things. Right. Like and yes. I also want to be in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And I think that the positive side of me never having kids and not being married mm-hmm. is the fact that I have the luxury of exploring some of that. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. to make sure that if, if I have any fear about a, a move, which right now I'm calling an expansion because I'm not moving. So don't get worried. <laughs> I'm not moving. I'm like, Wait a minute. But I am. I am seriously considering an expansion because I like to see different things. I like to meet new people. And, um, you know, I just I feel like we should always continue to grow. And whenever we feel like we're not growing to me, true happiness means not letting your fear get in the way of your growth. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me as, um, as a mom, as a new mom, if you will, with a toddler, um, I, I totally know where you're coming from because my husband, my child, my family has always been first. And now that my child is sort of becoming her own little person, I am able to get back. I'm able to get back to exploring who I am and who Stacy was before she was a mom Mm -hmm. and sort of figuring out, you know, what I want to do with my life besides being a wife and a mother. And I totally agree with you that being around new people and expanding and trying new experiences, it really helps you evolve and grow as a person. And it helps you be creative and, and, and things come up that you didn't even know were there because you're open to that. And I'm finally getting back to that. And I'm sure there are other moms who know where I'm coming from. I'm finally allowing myself to do that again because mm-hmm. I've been so focused on my family. 
So I'm in the same headspace as you. I love it. Speaking of other moms, I do want to touch quickly <laughs> on your trip. How was Turks and Caicos? Turks and Caicos was amazing. I was telling you that we stayed at beaches. And Paula's like looking at me funny when no, I said I wasn't. that. You were you expecting looked at me to look at you. No, you were like beaches. And I'm like, yes, beaches. <laughs> and we stayed at beaches because they have um, the Sesame Place experience. So basically your child can meet all the characters from Sesame Street. They're like literally like walking around the resort and doing shows and they have a kids club it was amazing bro, bro. Yeah. you know i have elmo ptsd right <laughs> we'll talk about that in another Ooh, episode we can <laughs> talk about the elmo story Ooh, go ahead <laughs> um but anyway so it's a family centered resort okay if you're going there and you know that sesame street is there clearly you know what's going to happen sure um and i was on the beach with my family and there were lots of other families and um there was one mom in particular, and she was a beautiful woman, and um, she was in a bikini, and she was in a thong bikini. And um, let's just say that she got a lot of side eyes and lots of mean looks from the other moms. And I don't know, I was just, you know, wondering, like, do you think that's inappropriate for a mom to be on the beach with her family, with other families in a thong? I'm probably the wrong person to ask. But I, but I want to know what you think. Well, what I think, I think that people spend a lot of energy um, judging others. Yeah. And I think there's a lot going on in the world uh, that we have to prepare our children for. Yes. And our young people for. Okay. And so seeing um, uh, an exposed buttocks from a mother who's <laughs> running on the beach. Not like she's running, you know, <laughs> through the hotel, through the mall, <laughs> with her ass hanging out. Yeah, she on the beach. Okay. Yes. Like, to me, I don't see that as a major issue. I mean, I've seen your Instagram. You've had some bikini pictures on there. Yes, with you, I have. Right? I um, I, I love a bikini. So that little piece <laughs> of that that three inches of fabric. Yes. Between the top of your thigh and the middle of your buttocks, and, and the lack of that, and just a string there, is is that much of a difference? I I, I think it is. Okay. I I because think... you're insecure about your husband watching, or you your daughter definitely didn't notice. <laughs> no, I see the kids don't know. So then I, it comes down to well, why y'all so worried? I think there's a time and a place for everything, and mm -hmm. I think as mothers we have to set examples, especially to our daughters, about what is appropriate. So I think if she was on the beach with her husband and the kids were at the Sesame Place Kids Club and it was, you know, just them and they were holding hand in hand and it was, or maybe even at a different resort. How about that? Mm -hmm. I think that's okay. But I think um, knowing that there are children there, um, I, I, I think it was just, uh, it, it was inappropriate in, in my opinion. I think we have to set an example. And, if, and to me, a thong is an example of, a sexualized swimsuit, in my personal opinion. Okay. But it starts there. Okay, it starts at the, at the thong. And then it's so interesting you bring that up because last night, and I really have like Instagram beefs with people, but last night I was looking at one of my friends' Instagram. She's a very popular um, news anchor. She works for Fox, not in this market, but in another major market. Okay. And she's been out in L.A. with her kids, looking at colleges for her son. And they love L.A. They're just such L.A. people. But when my grandmother was sick um, in the hospital and I was flying back and forth, these people, Stephanie is her name. I'm going to share Stephanie Schaefer. I love her and her kids. Um, 
they went to my grandmother's hospital room and brought her um, an angel with wings and cookies and balloons and flowers and chocolates and all of these things that my grandmother loved. I mean, they really, really lifted her spirits. So but they're good people. These are good people. The door to get straight A's, I'll show you the picture of them last night. So, oh my goodness. So she's that's beautiful. Stephanie. And the daughter is 16, but she's like a model. She's five. She's, gorgeous. she's very tall. She's like 5'10 or 5'11 or something. And, you know, she's got some modeling agencies interested in her. And not all young people that are in high school are the same. You know, so right. if you have another 15 or 16 year old that doesn't look like her, maybe you might have her dressed in a certain way. So this is the post. I'm showing Stacy the post. And, and and this is her here on the right side. Yeah. OK. So, so what do you think of her outfit? I think she has on a romper. Mm -hmm. um, she has legs for days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I said, she's a gorgeous girl. But I mean, I, I think she she looks beautiful. I don't think she looks um, sexy. I don't think she looks I don't see too much skin. I, you know, my daughter is only two, but if my daughter was 16, I wouldn't have a problem with that outfit. Well, I tell you, it starts, like I said, with the thong and then it just kind of keeps going because I noticed on her, on her Instagram post last night, um, a person wrote, um, am I the only one that thinks this freshman in high school, which I don't believe she's a freshman. I think she's like a sophomore or a junior is dressing like she's in her late twenties. I'm not a prude, but I'm shocked every time I see her beautiful. Yes, but way too sexy for her age. And then another person goes on to write. I have to agree. I love Stephanie always have. And yes, her kids are beautiful and she is and always has been a wonderful mother, but the choice of clothing for her daughter at this at uh, at times at her age is not age appropriate. So it goes on and on. And other people wow. wrote, um, you're an embarrassment to your kids. What? Uh, you shouldn't be palling around like this. You're trying to live vicariously through your kids. Why don't you get some friends your own age and stop trying to be. They wrote this on her yes. IG? Tons of so I'm oh, up here. Oh my gosh! Child, she in Beverly Hills, not caring a bit, honey. <laughs> she went there in a private plane. I'm sitting in my house with my roller set in, looking at this like, oh hell no! So, so did you come to her defense? Did yes. you respond to so these people? So I write people? a few people. I say, you did not. To one call. person, I say, I don't agree. She's an inspiring model that gets straight A's in school. She volunteers in the community. She's spectacularly respectful and kind she wears clothes like a young model she's not a little girl anymore and her mother is right there every step of the way and that person was like you don't know what you're about you're crazy so then <laughs> to another person i say you know they have a very worldly view this family they travel all over and they've also experienced like just to be even more frank they're so close because stephanie's husband had a terrible accident with the, when the kids were young like six and eight the husband fell 12, um, I think it's 12 feet, oh, and gosh. landed on his head on a construction site. What? He has a condition where he cannot remember anything that happened more than like an hour ago, okay? So he doesn't know who, you, every time you walk, if you go to the bathroom, if and you're you visiting him in the nursing home, and you come back, he's like, oh, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. Oh, that's horrible. Like I'm that. sorry. So <laughs> it's he can't live at home. Because the, he doesn't, he could let the animals out. He could set the place on fire. Right, he's I mean, a danger you know, to himself. Total danger. So, of course, that brings a family together. Yes. And she's basically a single mother. She's raising her kids up. The young girl wants to model. The son, they just travel the world and they try to, despite that tragedy, live their best life. 
So maybe I was a bit more passionate about it. So I'm saying. Well, you were passionate because you know them. I know You aren't them. judging them just from an Instagram post. Exactly. And, you know, some kids can dress the part in front of their parents and go act a fool. Oh, Yes. They Packing got poppers, rockers, and everything else going <laughs> Changing on. Changing your clothes as soon as you leave. Do you know? Yeah. So I say, you know, this family has a very uh, worldly view and is currently enjoying themselves in California. You can't try to make them just like your family. She's going after a modeling contract. Those young women look and dress in a fashionable, flirty way. It may not be your normal, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. Open your mind. Peace. So, I mean, it goes through. I love your response. Yeah. Then this guy says, and you wonder why guys look at them like that. And then when the guy looks, the guy will be wrong. So then I say to him, you know, guys can look all they want, but there's a line that can't be crossed. She's a smart girl. She knows a creeper when she sees one. So I'm going through and back and forth. And then this one woman says, well, you know what? My daughter better not ever look like that. My daughter and my daughter. So I said, well, well that's something worry about your daughter. you and your daughter can decide <laughs> together. Your in caps. I do respect you. Your, your in caps. Yes. I do respect your opinion and wish you a really nice evening. And, and, and I will just share this last one with the woman that was just like went off on her. And she says, just, just. She's saying that she's got plastic surgery and Botox and oh, she needs to gosh. lay off this and she's dressing like a streetwalker and all of this. Well, so then I. My question is, just, why are they on that page then? If they have such girl, strong feelings about all the wrong ways the mom is raising this daughter, why are they on her page? Can you just. Her. I never understand that with people. If you don't like it, move on on right on i don't play that i don't play negative comments on my instagram if you want to be negative block 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 don't invite that in my space i do get it with the mother's feeling like that's a little inappropriate with the woman wearing the 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 thong but there's a part of me that is just like what kind of where does that line get drawn right and does it become indistinguishable and now that we have so much social media and people feel like they can you know insert themselves into other people's lives yeah yeah you you know um i you know i have conflicting feelings about that because I, i like i said i do think wearing a thong in a family atmosphere is inappropriate um but then as girl we, you just didn't want your husband looking at that woman's booty let me tell you <laughs> that woman's booty was the last thing my husband was looking at okay <laughs> he was all concentrated on this you should have let him look so he knows what he's got at home oh there Paul. you go there's always another you are way. so crazy there's always <laughs> another way to look at things right uh-uh. My husband's <laughs> eyes were on this. They, they better have been. Exactly. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they were. Well, listen, Stacey, politics could not be made possible without our sponsors. So I want to shout them out right now. Yes. Check them out. Hey, folks. Paul Wharton here. Have you heard of ABE Networks? Well, you have now. ABE Networks is the premier custom residential and commercial technology firm in the entire DMV. Their award-winning organization utilizes premier products fused with your home's decor, resulting in a top-tier, personalized experience. Imagine if you could connect every single thing in your home to your smartphone or tablet and control it from the palm of your hand. Imagine an integrated audiovisual system throughout your entire property. Well, ABE Networks can do all of that and more. Security systems, lighting controls, energy monitoring. You dream it up and ABE Networks will make it happen. Check them out today at abenetworks.com. 
Politics would not be possible without the support of our very generous sponsors. The Batar Cosmetic Institute is home of the aesthetics-enhancing genius Dr. George Batar and his talented staff. Metro Offices. If you're an entrepreneur that wants to take your cluttered home office to an affordable, modern, professional, fully furnished space, Metro Office is the scalable solution for you. Mervis Diamonds. You you're sparkly. Wow. Yes, that looks gorgeous. Isn't on that you. pretty too? And yeah. I was just like, well, baby, you got some green to yeah. go with my dress. Everyone needs a good diamond person, and the people at Mervis should be yours. They have what you need. All right, girl. I had so much fun sharing. This, this is, is the right. cheapest therapy I've ever had in my life. <laughs> is it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's always good to sit down and talk with you. Yeah. I feel enlightened every time I leave. I'm like, oh, well, wow, okay. I'll think about that. Well, you know, I That's love another it. facet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, I hope the listeners are getting something good out of this. We're getting some great response. So. Please follow us. Paul Wharton Style on Instagram, Fraud Rush on Instagram. Also, check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere podcasts are found. We are also live every Thursday at 2 on fullserviceradio.org. We love you all. We, we thank do. you for listening. We've had such a great time. Yes. Listen, don't forget also, give us a five-star review and comment, 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 and share with your friends. Don't keep it all to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't no fun if your homies can't have none, right? <laughs> All right, love you, Stacey. Love you. Bye. Bye. Get your hook. Beauty tips and life advice. How to eat right and be feeling nice. Strong woman, strong mind. The inner goddess you will find. Iconic homes, celebrity faces, TV shows, and exotic places. He's there for you if you need to feel better. Paul is here pulling it all together. He's there for you if you need to feel better. Paul is here pulling it all together. He's there for you if you need to feel better. Paul is here pulling it all together. He's there for you if you need to feel better. Paul is here pulling it all together. Paul is here pulling it all together. He's there for you if you need to feel better. Paul is here pulling it all together.